You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. In the gospel lesson that was appointed to be read for us this morning, uh, we have to realize that it is Jesus answering a question, a specific question. Judas, that is, who is not Iscariot, who is otherwise known as Thaddeus, said to Jesus, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? In other words, Jesus, why is it that you speak to the world with parables? Why is it that you pick fights with the priests and with the Pharisees? And why is it that you seem to ignore the Gentiles? That's the question, and that's where we should start. Jesus said that he is going to his Father, which probably in Judas's mind, as well as the mind the minds of many of the other disciples, it probably meant that Jesus was departing, that he was leaving them before the job was done. You see, it may have seemed to Jesus' opponents on Palm Sunday that the entire world was chasing after him. But from Judas Thaddeus' perspective, there was still so much to do. When it came down to it, not many people were actually following Jesus. You know, there's this wonderful sermon by Jesus in John 6, where he talks about the spiritual eating of his flesh in faith, and how offensive this was for all of the crowds who had been following him, who were starting to believe him. But after Jesus was done with the sermon, they all left. And you're left with what? The twelve disciples. And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now, from any measure of a successful ideological movement in this world, even on Monday, Thursday, when Jesus is preaching the sermon of our gospel text this morning, it would seem as if Jesus had failed. He hadn't gathered enough people. He hadn't spread his word far enough that it was actually limited to a small number, a humble band of Galileans. But then again, Jesus said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And now Jesus says, I am going to my Father. So the question is why? Why does this small band of Galileans get to know Jesus? How is it that he manifests himself and his glory and his divinity uh, to fishermen and tax collectors and not to the whole world? Jesus answers and says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus doesn't set a limit on those who will love him to the small band of disciples. In fact, you know that God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But Jesus' greatest work isn't gathering crowds around him. Jesus' greatest work isn't being a celebrity. His greatest work needed to come first. Before his word goes all over the face of the planet. Otherwise, not one person could dare approach God in his judgment and his majesty. Jesus had to obey his Father's voice. He had to die for the sin of the world. He had to die for your sins. And it is through this cross that Jesus says that the world may know 
that I love the Father, and indeed that the Father loves them. And it is only in this way, through Jesus who is crucified for the sins of the world, that God the Father and God the Son come among us here in this world and make their abode with us and dwell with us. Now, realize that all of this was yet unclear to the disciples, you know, who, who thought that they were about to be left to fend for themselves. But of course, they're wrong. Jesus speaks to the men who are about to abandon him in a few hours, who are about to show themselves as pure cowards. And he says to these men, You are my witnesses. He said to these men, knowing that they would all abandon him to a person, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And today on Holy Pentecost, our Lord Jesus makes good on that promise. To bring to remembrance everything that the Lord had ever said to these men. To give them courage to defy the rage and the condemnation of Satan and all the worldly powers. Jesus gives to his disciples, eleven men in all, his Holy Spirit. So that their words, their preaching, have become, even to this day and among us, the means by which our Lord Jesus is present and works among us. And so this is the main point for today, that in and through the apostles' preaching, the Holy Spirit gives Jesus and everything that Jesus has obtained for you through his death and his resurrection and his ascension, the Holy Spirit gives all of these these things to the world. Now, if we jump ahead to Jesus' last words of instruction, uh, I mean, from Jesus' last words of instruction on Monday, Thursday, to the early hours of Pentecost, the 50th day after the, the Pasch. The disciples, who even though they had been comforted by the risen Jesus themselves, were still hiding, weren't they? They were all in one place together, surprisingly, probably, in the same way as they were all hiding in one place together on Easter morning, or, and even on Easter evening, when Jesus came to reveal himself to them. And do you know how the story goes? And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's incredible. It's a miracle. It's literally a miracle that these same men who have shown themselves to be disciples... (laughs) who have shown their discipleship to Jesus, if you want to put it that way, in nothing but in cowardice and fear and timidity, are now bursting out of a locked room. And what do they say? What do they do? Do they say, hey, listen to us, the only men who were faithful to Jesus to the end? No, they can't say that. (laughs) Do they say, "Uh, uh, see how well-educated we are? See how respected we are by our religious elders? Of course not. The one thing that these men have to say of of themselves to the entire world is what? We are witnesses that our eyes have seen, that our ears have heard, that our hands have touched the word of life made manifest to us. 
They preached this Jesus, the risen Son of God, as the one who now rules heaven and earth from the right hand of God Almighty. They preached to the same crowds who demanded this Jesus be crucified, that this Jesus is now risen from the dead, that he is Lord, that he is God. And they didn't preach this for the crowd's condemnation. They preached this for their comfort, for their forgiveness, so that on Holy Pentecost, the prophet Joel's words would be fulfilled, that it should come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Human words cannot accomplish what the apostles' words accomplished that day. But these men are speaking literally God's words. They are filled with God's authority and his, and his power. They received exactly as Jesus had promised them. Now, this power isn't some sort of superpower to fly or to jump over buildings or to read other people's minds, you know, the kinds of powers that we usually attribute to our favorite comic book heroes. But it is the power to be the public witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and even to the end of the earth. And through these, through, through, through these words, the Father and the Son, they come to you, sinners, and they make their home with you, which is never by a word of judgment or condemnation, but it's a word of peace that's purchased by Jesus' blood poured out on the cross. There are three different uh, gifts that the Holy Spirit gave to the apostles on Pentecost. We could spend a lot of time talking about them, but I wrote it like a seven-page sermon. (laughs) But it's enough, I think, that we meditate on these three things just for a moment. The gift of the Holy Spirit that was, that was given to the disciples on, on Pentecost was, first of all, boldness. Boldness to preach. We already touched on this before, that, you know, even after Jesus' resurrection, they were still keeping to themselves. But now the Holy Spirit rushes upon them. He manifests them, himself to them visibly by tongues of fire upon their heads. And they come out of the room and they start preaching to the same crowds who demanded that Jesus be crucified. Now, to a sane, sane person, we would think that, well, you, you can start speaking about Jesus, of course, but maybe you should wait until Pontius Pilate, uh, you know, is, is, uh, falls out of office and somebody else is, is appointed to serve as governor, right? Not the same guy who put Jesus to death. Or perhaps you, a sane person would think, well, maybe we should wait until the Sanhedrin, you know, has, uh, changes out some of the members that they become more amenable to our position or something like that. Ha! Huh. But they didn't wait long at all. They waited for 50 days. That's nothing. They were preaching to the same people who demanded that Jesus be crucified, and they did so without fear. The second thing that the Holy Spirit gave them was endurance. Endurance to suffer everything for the sake of the gospel. Thanks be to God that on, on Pentecost, that Pentecost morning, that uh, 
what, three, over 3,000 people were added to those who were being saved. They became saints that day through baptism and repentance into the forgiveness of sins. But you know very well, if you keep on reading in Acts, just how well the, 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 these words of Jesus, who has been crucified, who is now Lord and God, who is sitting at the Father's right hand, how well this was received by the Sanhedrin, right? It wasn't long before St. Stephen was stoned to death. It wasn't long before Saul was appointed to go round up the Christians so that they could be thrown into prison. Now, when the uh, cross literally started falling upon the apostles for preaching the gospel, for preaching Jesus, they didn't go back into the room (laughs) where they were hiding. In fact, they rejoiced that they had been counted worthy to suffer on account of Christ. No amount of human resolve can give this kind of endurance for the sake of the gospel. This is the second gift of the Holy Spirit. The third thing that the Holy Spirit gave to these apostles was a gift given specifically to their words, to grant them to speak only as they have witnessed and have heard from Jesus which is exactly what Jesus describes will happen in the gospel lesson. He says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, look at this. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in his own name. In whose name does he come? He comes in Jesus' name. He doesn't come in the name of the apostles either. Peter doesn't say, by my authority as the great apostle Peter, I I tell you the instruction of the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit comes in Jesus' name and by his authority. To come in the name of Jesus means nothing else than to come bearing the teachings and the very utterances of Jesus, the things that came out of his mouth. And though the disciples during Jesus' ministry obviously struggled to understand those things which he spoke openly to them, concerning his death and his resurrection and his ascension. In that moment, on on Pentecost morning, the Holy Spirit gave these apostles clarity so that they wouldn't stumble and and mutter or or, uh, mince their words when it came to speaking about Jesus, but they would say everything clearly so that the promises of Jesus could be apprehended by faith, without any doubt about what it means that Jesus has died for sinners, or what it means that Jesus is indeed risen to give you the hope of everlasting life. Also, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will bring to the remembrance everything that he has said to them. That is, everything that he has said to them in the past tense. There are many other Christian churches out there, or at least churches that claim to be Christian, that hold open the possibility of further instructions by the Holy Spirit given after the death of the apostles and after the preaching and the teaching and the the writings of the apostles. They call this progressive revelation. The idea is that the the Holy Spirit's purpose within the church is to keep on building up what we know about God, to keep on sort of adding to what we know about Jesus, or what we know about uh, salvation, what we know about what it means that God loves us, and this sort of thing. And these churches use this idea of progressive revelation, usually at the expense of what Jesus had said in the past. Now, let's face it, the Jesus that we have in the Holy Scriptures is a prickly Jesus. (laughs) 
uh, when he speaks to sinners, especially sinners who don't know they're sinners, it, it hurts. It hurts that Jesus says that adultery, even in one's own heart, is a sin worthy of death. It hurts when Jesus says that when my word comes, it will come as a sword. That it will divide families. It won't just join them together. But even though Jesus' word hurts, everything that Jesus said during his ministry is also perfectly sufficient and enough to give us not just a partial comfort that that was good enough for the apostles and the people of the apostles' day, but a full and a complete comfort for the church in all seasons and in all times. That the words of Jesus that he spoke during his ministry concerning his death and his resurrection, his ascension to the Father's right hand, is enough to feed all of the saints, even until when he comes again in glory, to judge both the living and the dead. Jesus, in fact, shuts the door on the possibility of progressive revelation for the sake of certainty, that we're not guessing who has a special word of the Holy Ghost and who doesn't when people presume to speak with the Holy Ghost's authority. Instead, Jesus binds the Holy Ghost to the words of his witnesses, his apostles, who were there to hear him speak, who touched him after his body was raised from the dead. And we have their accounts, we have their preaching, we have their word that is bound to the Holy Spirit, that is joined up with him in the Holy Scriptures. And this is exactly what St. Peter says. He says, we have something more sure, the prophetic word. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture came from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit points us always back to Jesus and the words that he has spoke to us here in this time and space. All right, so, at the very end of this, the most important thing to take away is that when the Holy Spirit speaks through the apostles, there he creates and sustains the Holy Christian Church. He forgives sins, he enlightens you with his gifts, and he keeps you in the one true faith. All of the gifts that I said that were given to the the Holy Spirit, besides the one of uh, being bound uh, to to the words uh, that they had heard from Jesus personally, uh, the gifts of especially, the gifts of confidence and of endurance, these are the same gifts that are given to you in your baptism. So that we see this in the New Testament itself. Sure, when the, when, the, when the apostles suffer for the sake of Jesus, they do so gladly, but also even when other Christians who aren't pastors suffer, they also do so gladly. They have this endurance because they know that their salvation is secure. That even though the world and the devil may tear apart and destroy their bodies, yet Jesus has the authority to raise these bodies, to reunite body and soul. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. God the Father and God the Son have made their home with you today. 
And the Holy Spirit has given, has given the Father and the Son to you. You love Jesus because you, you trust that he has saved you from sin and death, because you have heard that he has saved you from sin and death through the Apostles' words. You keep this word because in it you find a loving and compassionate Father who didn't spare his own Son for your sake. May God the Holy Spirit grant us faith to keep this word always no matter what the devil and the world may throw at us. Amen. May, God, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope.